You're listening to a message from Ogden Church, a gospel-centered ministry for all people. We hope during the next few minutes you gain a better understanding of God's love expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. Well, welcome. We are so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. My family and I had a wonderful time on vacation the past couple weeks, and so we are so thankful to Jim Beach and Jack Hickley for stepping in, stepping up and taking the pulpit for me those days, so we're super thankful, and those guys did an amazing job. And they had brought us into a new series where we're talking about truth. Truth is extremely, extremely important, and it's really appropriate as we're stepping towards the school year. I don't know if we have teachers or students out there that have already begun. My kids are about to start school on Monday, and there's a lot of stress around what's happening. Like, we're about to go into school. We're, we're trying to figure out who's our teacher going to be, want to be in the right place at the right time. And the whole point of school is to try to get around somebody who's a little further along in that field of study or in life to help you understand and learn truth. Like, what is truth? And we seek after this elusive thing that so many people tell us what to do or where to go. And at the end of the day, there's only one true real source of truth. And what life often feels like is a confusing place where we don't really know what's going on and we're hearing all these different messages from different directions. And what we need when we go into a place that we're unfamiliar with is we need a guide. We need somebody to show us the way to go. My family and I went on a trip when I was in high school, and it was sort of this bus tour through a couple of different countries. And we were given a guide that spoke the language of every place that we had, were going to go, and he had been there. He knew what was going to happen, and he put us in the place that we were supposed to be and didn't take us to the places that would have been bad or dangerous for us. And so our guide was able to take us in the right place, but we had to listen to him and trust him because he knew the truth of where we were supposed to go. Now, life feels so confusing to us because we look out into the world and we see all of these different opinions about ways we should go, and we see a lot of fallenness and brokenness around the world. We see horrible things that maybe happen in, in the Middle East across the world. We've seen that recently in the past few weeks. We see horrible tragedies that happen in our community in Adrian and in Blissfield with car accidents that take the lives of students far too soon. And when we find ourselves disoriented and confused and we feel like we're surrounded by darkness, what we need is truth. We need the truth of Christ and the guiding hand of Jesus to lead us through these challenges. And sometimes people would say, well, isn't, isn't the darkness, shouldn't we blame God for some of these bad things that happen? And, and the opposite is actually true. And in the difficulty, we should cling to him that much tighter. You see, Jesus had some disciples that he hung out with when he was on earth. 
He had really close people that he did life with. And then he did incredible things in front of these guys. And then he dies. And these people were stressed out. His disciples were, they were coward, cowardly hiding in, in a locked room. And they were afraid of what was going to happen next. Because their leader, the man they thought was going to be the king, he died. So they are super stressed and afraid. And then they see his resurrected body. And what we're going to look at in Matthew chapter 28 is after they had seen him resurrected do a few things. This is his final conversation with them. He meets with the 11 disciples. Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 and 17 are the first two verses we're going to look at. When the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. How is this possible? How could you hang out with Jesus, watch him die and be crucified, be hanging out with his resurrected body after death, and still doubt? How could you still doubt? I actually think that many of us fall into the trap that, that our faith should never have any doubt involved in it. We should never question that simply isn't true. It's okay for us to ask questions and doubt and seek truth because the end of that road, if you don't stop going, is Jesus every time. So we seek and we ask and sometimes we struggle in our humanness like, yeah, of course you're going to be like, what? What? I've eaten steaks that are so good that I can hardly believe it. And then you're sitting there with the resurrected Jesus, and you're like, what is this real? How can this be happening? They are just so blown away. They're meeting with him one final time, and he has a message for them. And the message that Jesus has for them and for us is that truth for everyone Around the world is only found in Jesus. The truth that we're broken and the gospel that we can be saved is only found in Jesus and it's the only thing that you can bring your broken heart to and he will make you whole. Truth is only found in Jesus. We're called to share this because, for, for three reasons, we need to share this and, and he makes his argument in the next few verses, because he holds all authority, we have to share because all authority is his. Because it's hope for all nations, not just a special group of people or the people that lived a really good life. It's truth for, for everyone. And we're called to share because he is always with us. He emboldens us, gives us the strength to share. Matthew 28, he starts in, in this place for a reason. The first thing he says in verse 18, and Jesus came to them, his resurrected body with the 11 disciples on the mountain, he comes to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All authority. It's all mine. I am ultimately in control no matter what you may think, no matter how you may feel, what you're going through. I have the authority. He has it. It is his. It is true. And before he says, you got to share this truth, you got to share this gospel, he says, look, I want you to understand that it's all mine. There's a big difference between power and authority. These are two different words that have two different meanings. 
And to illustrate that, I think we could see the difference between power and authority when you look at an NFL football game. These are the strongest, fastest players in the world. These guys are super fast and huge and strong. They have power. But when they're on the field during the game, the referee has authority. And when the referee blows the whistle, all of the power just stops. He's in control. He tells them what to do. And Jesus says, I, I have all authority. Before he says, go into all the nations, he says, look, you first need to understand that it's all mine. I have control. I saw this beautifully illustrated in a, in a show called Undercover Boss. I don't know if anybody's seen this show, but a CEO of a huge company will like put a wig on and a weird mustache, and they'll go start washing dishes at this company that they own, that they're in charge of, the whole thing. They're the, the head honcho, right? They're the big deal, but they, they, they dress up, they go in, they start working with somebody. This one CEO was working with this young lady that was just doing an incredible job. She was amazing, just an hourly employee, and, and he got to know her, and he just saw how hard she worked, how much she loved the company. And then he saw that every night after work, she'd go back to a homeless shelter with her family. And at the end of the show, he took off his wig and his mustache, and he said, you're just incredible, and, and I want you to know that I, I run this company, and I appreciate every single thing that you're doing. We need more employees like you. And I have a check for you for $250,000 so you can buy a house and never have to go back to the homeless shelter again. You see, the one who owned the whole thing put himself in the midst of what the lower level workers were doing and he said look I actually am going to step into your situation and use my authority and power to help fix it you see what Jesus does with his authority is so much more amazing than that because he actually steps into our world and pays our debt with his blood he sacrifices the CEO didn't have to get caught he didn't have to deal with anything probably wasn't even his money it belonged to the company right like this guy's not he's like that's cool that's great but Jesus says look you with your sin owe your life to a holy and perfect God and you could never pay the debt. But because I have all authority, I will go to the cross and shed my blood so that your brokenness can be made whole. I am broken and separated for the Father so, so that we could be brought home. Any argument that we make, any, any hope that we have, of sharing the gospel or more people hearing the good news of Jesus has to start with all authority being his. He starts here for a reason because the other ones build off of it. Truth for everyone is only found in Jesus. It starts with him having all authority, but it is for all nations. Every person around the world, no matter what they look like, what their house looks like, no matter what their income level, skin color, background, all nations, this truth is for them. He says all authority has is, is been given to me in heaven and on earth, and then he continues in verses 19 in the first Part of verse 20, he says to the disciples, these 11 scared guys that are worshiping and doubting, he says, therefore, go 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He tells these 11 guys, now it's your job, you uneducated fishermen, most of them, to go into all of the world. Now, they don't have planes. These guys didn't have planes. They had, like, camels and donkeys and stuff. He's like, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. This is a ridiculous request. And he says, all nations. Now, this is mind-blowing because up to this point, God has a, had a chosen group of people. There were his people. And then Jesus comes and he says, you know what, this is a message that everyone needs to hear and a hope that everyone needs. And this is so important for us because what it means is whether you're a Christian or not, we are all in exactly the same position before God. And no one has the right to look at anyone else and be like, well, hey, I really, uh, I like to make this decision over here, or this is my political agenda, and so you're on the outside. What Jesus says is the foot of the cross is level for all of us because we're sinful and broken and all have no hope before a holy God. Every single one of us broken. So we don't look at each other and say, oh, well, you're real messed up because we look at ourselves and we say, yeah, no, I'm broken too. You see, what we do in life often is, there's a phrase that I think is appropriate called rearranging chairs on the Titanic. And we, we're moving chairs around, and you know what doesn't happen? In, in 1912, when that Titanic, this huge unsinkable ship, ran into an iceberg and starts to sink, I bet nobody was complaining about the size of their stateroom. Is my room big enough? Or was, where, where was I in line? That person cut in front of me in the buffet line. You're not asking those questions at all. You stop caring about the little things because you know the ship is going down. And then all of a sudden, only one thing matters. How can I be saved? You see, every single person in this room, every single person around the world, regardless of where you live, what you've done, our ship is sinking. The ship is sinking. And, and Jesus takes these 11 guys and he unleashes them onto the ship and says, look, I've provided salvation for the broken. Go tell them where salvation can be found. Run around this sinking ship that is all of our lives and say, I know where you can be saved. You see, but in, in order to want to be saved, you have to realize that you're sinking. And you see, we get moments of this, but we struggle to realize that we are all desperately broken before God. And, and then we run to God when things get really bad, or we have a test that we haven't studied for, and we're like, okay, well, God, I really need you, really need you today. But the call is, all of us are utterly broken in need this good news of the salvation of Christ. 
this truth and these guys would change the face of history. Everything from this moment on was going to be different. The largest movement that has ever taken place happened with a scared group of 11 guys. That when God resurrected Jesus from the dead and Jesus stands before them and they see that, every single one goes to their death believing and claiming that Jesus Christ is Lord and the only hope for men. So how does a group of scared people turn into the greatest movement in history going into all nations? It's because they saw the authority of God on display through Jesus Christ and they said, look, this is it. This is the only thing that matters and we must share it. They never recanted and some of them were killed, many of them were killed for this statement that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, he has, he has all the authority, and it's, it's for all nations. And as if this command isn't tough enough, it would be unbelievably difficult to think about. He realizes how challenging it would be, and at the very end of what he says, after he says, go into all the nations, making disciples, baptizing them, commanding them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you, Always to the very end of the age. You see, God never promises us that things are going to be easy or that he'll take us out of the fire. But he promises us he'll be with us in the fire. That he will never leave us. And because he has all authority and it's truth for all nations, we do not have to fear because our Father who has all authority is with us. And when God is with us, it changes everything. I was really into this TV show for a while, and it was about the fall of society. And these different groups were sort of popping up, and they had leaders. And this one particular group had a leader that had a pet tiger that he took around with him. And that would be like a phenomenal thing. If you had a tiger and you could just take it around with you, guess what? People don't want to mess with somebody who has a tiger, right? You have a huge tiger and you're just walking around. And it, that works in the TV show, but not so much in real life if you ask Siegfried and Roy. And if you don't understand that joke, I don't have time to explain it to you. These guys had pet tigers when they attacked them in real life. That's a short explanation. But we, I, I thought that was awesome. I was like, that's so cool. Like, I, who has a pet tiger? That'd be great. Especially in that situation where there's no police to call or whatever. Somebody wants to mess with you. You'd be like, hey, you can mess with me, but I got a tiger here, so it's going to be a problem for you. And so we, we want that because then we think that we're in control of the power that's next to us. Because we want to be in control. You see, but real power true power that we want to run to for salvation through the cross, that we want to cry out to in the midst of our brokenness and pain in this world that actually has authority to fix the things that we need fixed, we don't tell that power what to do. I saw a commercial for the new Godzilla movie. I don't know, this is like Culture Sunday. Um, and this little girl like, had this connection with Godzilla to bring him back and like, fight these bad, I don't know what it was. And so they're talking about her connection with this, this giant beast. 
And, and they're talking about it in Congress or something, and one of the congressmen says, oh, so he's going to be like our pet? And the, congressman's respo- the guy's response to the congressman was like, uh, no, we would be his pets. You see, our faith often gets sidetracked or railroaded because we think that God should do what we're telling him to do. Instead of saying, God, you, you actually have all authority. You have control. And I submit myself to you and trust in you even when it's hard, even when things don't make sense. This truth is beautifully illustrated in the Chronicles of Narnia, written by C.S. Lewis, where Susan is talking to a beaver, because animals talk in this story about Aslan, the lion. The beaver says to her, Aslan is a lion, the lion, the great lion. Oh, Susan said, I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I should feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said the beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. You see, we worship safety. But God doesn't make us safe. He saves our souls. So when we want to not experience trouble in a world full of brokenness and sin and all of these horrible things happening around the world in our community, all of these challenges happen. We have to step toward those challenges and say, God, I don't know what's going on, but I know you're in control. And my hope is only in you when everything else is telling me to trust in that thing. Go this way. Believe this person or political perspective or religious point of view. We come back to God's word and say, God, you are the only truth for everyone because you have all authority for every nation. And God, we are able to step into sharing that because you're with us always. This truth of Jesus being with us always is absolutely life-changing because our Hope as a believer is that there is no day where we have to wake up and feel alone in loneliness and feeling abandoned and separated from other people in society is a bigger problem now than it's ever been. But Jesus says you can step into each day with all of our fears and stresses and anxieties and issues that go wrong, left and right. And say, God, I, I'm going to step into another day, another season of life, no matter what challenge is ahead of me, because you are with me. This message, this gospel truth that Jesus sent these disciples to share with the world is the only thing that matters. 
A question that we should ask ourselves and is healthy to ask is, what I'm dealing with, what I'm stressed about right now, will it matter in a hundred years? And what will matter in a hundred years? The only things that will last is what we have done for the kingdom of God in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you feel alone? You don't have to. Jesus can be with you when we come to the foot of the cross and say, I am broken, just like every nation around the world is broken. Wash me clean, bring me home, and send me out on a mission to share this incredible good news with all of these other broken people around the world just like me. You see, when things all seem to go horribly wrong, we need to find truth onto which we can cling. And Christ is the only thing that will last because He is truth for everyone. Let's pray and then we'll close. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for what You did through these disciples and let this place be a beacon of your gospel truth for the world. God, we are all existing on a sinking ship and I pray that you would draw more people to yourself, that they would find hope and joy in the presence of the Holy Spirit in their life through being healed by the blood of Christ. May the shame of the past not keep us from hope in the future. We love you, Lord. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. Please join us on Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11 a.m. If you'd like any more information about Ogden Church, just visit our website at ogdenchurch.org or Facebook.